This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. It is one of the more interesting non-conference games to open the 2021 college football season. Kansas State takes on Stanford Saturday in the All-State Kickoff Classic inside AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. The game, one of just four neutral site matchups featuring two Power 5 teams this opening weekend, kicks off at 11 a.m. and will be shown on FS1. Welcome, K-State fans, to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. We have a lot in store for you on this edition of the pregame podcast as we continue to evolve and change how we cover Kansas State athletics. In the first portion of this show, we'll talk to our own Ryan Wallace about his view of the game as he has gone through some Stanford film and he has some interesting points to make. Then we'll move on to our own Brian Hanley, our Go Power Cat football analyst who's located down in Texas as he gives us his thoughts on this game and the early situation in which the Kansas State Wildcats find themselves as they come out of a pandemic season and into what should be a very interesting campaign in 2021. Then on our interview segment, we'll talk to Skylar Thompson. And to close out the show, we'll bring in our own Ryan Gilbert, and we'll take a look at the betting lines for this week's Big 12 action and give you our thoughts on K-State and Stanford. It's all coming up on this edition of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we welcome in Go PowerCats Ryan Wallace as we take a look at Kansas State and Stanford Saturday down in Arlington, Texas, an 11 a.m. kick. Wally, you've watched a little film of Stanford, but let's start here because I think this is really important and totally unique to this season. Out of your, uh, in your opinion, how much can we take out of a pandemic season? Is it, does it translate like a normal season or is it just kind of a jumbled mess and it might be positive and negative depending on how your season went down? Yeah, it's hard for me to put a whole lot of stock into um, what was 2020. Um, I think particularly from... Uh, the individual standpoint. So the individual players themselves, uh, I think schematically you can watch film as I did on Stanford. And usually I think if you go across the board, across the nation, most of the schematic things probably won't change because coaching staffs want to keep players in, you know, the system that they had in 2019 and the same that they would want in 2021. And so barring any coaching changes, I think you can kind of go back and get an idea and a feel of what a program wants to be and what they want to look like. But from the individual players themselves to not have the proper off season and the preparation that they would have had through, uh, you know, the summer conditioning and, and proper preparation, even on game weeks fits where you might have certain players that weren't able to practice and yada, yada. It, I think that's where it becomes hard to, really put a proper measuring stick on a lot of teams and players. When you look at Stanford and, and hold on. When you look at Stanford, they, they've always been a running team, but they had some great running backs, had a great pair back to back. And we saw a little bit of that when K-State played out there years ago, but uh, they still want to run the ball, but are they the same physical, almost big 10 style team that they have been in the past? You know, I think that you're right at at heart. I think they do want to 
control the clock. You know, they want to be more physical up front, you know, and, and not to jump ahead here, Fitz, but they're watching Stanford. It is like watching the Pac-12 version of Kansas State. I mean, it, it is it, everything that they kind of want to be, you know, from their DNA is very similar. But getting back to your question about the offense, it's a West Coast style. And so I do think, you know, you're seeing David Shaw go to, you know, some trips formations, having multiple right wide receivers on the field, but they still do a lot of, you know, tight end fullback type things. Everything I think, you know, at their core is about high efficiency. Um, I think there were times in 2019 and maybe even 2020 when they did try and, and go a little bit more vertical and spread the field around. And I just don't think, I think they came back and realized kind of reading between the lines this off season, that that's not really what they've built the program around. And so I think you're going to go back to seeing more of that traditional West coast style where, yeah, you're going to, you know, hand the ball off to Austin Jones, who's a really fine running back and try and get, you know, win the line of scrimmage. And maybe that opens up some, some shorter intermediate passing routes where they're able to do 70, 80, 90 yard drives to really wear down an opponent. I, I think that's what Stanford wants to be, you know, at their core. And I think one of the great indicators of how coach David Shaw um, wants to put together his team is how he puts together his depth chart. Now, it's not uncommon for coaches to list 12 positions on a depth chart. We've seen K-State do it in the past. Maybe they want to go with a fullback or maybe they want to go with three receivers. At Stanford, they have 12 positions on their depth chart so that they can list two tight ends. I've never seen it before, and I, it just cracks me up that the tight end is so important to this offensive system that they actually have a depth chart with two tight end spots on it. Yeah, and listening to David Shaw during fall camp press conferences, it sounds like some of that is due to you know the way that they want to line up their alignments and formations. Like I said, they'll go double tight and things like that, but it's also a product of having tight ends with kind of different, you know, offensive talents. Um, they've got at least one or two tight ends that they feel like are athletic enough where, you know, they can motion them out and get some mismatches on the outside because, you know, they might be six, four, two thirty, but they run routes like a receiver. And then they've got more of your, you know, inline blocking tight ends. But yeah, I think, I think that's probably a product of it. Uh, they even have one tight end. I believe it's Tucker fist that uh, is listed on there too deep as a defensive end as well. So that gives you an idea of the type of athletes that they have um, at tight end. And it, it gives them some variation where on paper, their offense looks stale, but again, like K state, they feel like they have the components and, and different parts to, you know, get guys in motion and try and find areas that they can really attack a defense, um, you know, through coaching and, and philosophy and that sort of thing. That's amazing. I hadn't caught that. Tucker Fisk is six foot four, 285 pound fifth year senior tight end is also a backup defensive end in their three man front. Um, and you mentioned how diverse they are at tight end. K-State's kind of the same way. We were a little bit surprised to see Nick Leonard's atop the depth chart at tight end. But now that we kind of stop and think about it, he's the most traditional tight end that K-State has. The guy that is uh, bridges that gap between receiver and an offensive tackle. The other guys, being Imada Bebe and, and Wheeler, are more receiver-type guys. And and it does give you flexibility in how you can put together your offense. And that is one element about K-State, Ryan Wallace, I'm excited to see is how they incorporate this variety of tight ends and running backs into the wider scheme of what they want to do offensively. Yeah, I was surprised a bit to see Nick Linners atop the depth chart, um, only because I think in the grand scheme of things, I think you know he's going to be outdone at least in if you look at snap count i would imagine and percentage of being on the field you would think that you know bebe and wheeler will probably get more uh against snaps and production um than Leonard's does but as you said fits correctly so that Nick Leonard was an all big 12 fullback for a reason. He really is a strong blocker, knows this system very well. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, 
you know, how they incorporate him. Maybe they can catch some teams off guard because it's, it's not like he wasn't a heck of an athlete at one time coming out of high school in Nebraska. Um, he's, he can be a deceiving um, threat that they can use and, and kind of short yard passing, but yeah, it's going to be Wheeler. It's going to be Bebe that they can really feel like they can exploit some linebackers, particularly, you know, I think linebackers that, that struggled, albeit with some health concerns last year, like the Stanford Cardinal. Well, I'm jumping around a little bit, but going back to the Stanford offense, their running game, um, they like I said earlier, they've always had a great running back, and Austin Jones is kind of their guy right now. You know, in the Pac-12, they only played six games last year, so they only got in half of a season. But Jones averaged just under 100 yards a game, and uh, I that indicates the commitment they have to running the football, and it's going to be a a good and needed challenge for Kansas State's defense, doesn't it? It's it's just really something they've got to lock in on. Yeah, because like I said, everything that Stanford wants to do starts with the ground game. You know, they're not a team that typically is going to beat an opponent through the air. It's going to be using the ground game with Austin Jones to set up other things. Sometimes it's to set up an Austin Jones pass like Deuce Vaughn. They're going to try and get him out into the flats and do some things with him as a receiver as well. But it's usually, um, you know, using him, using Nathaniel Pete, who's a a kid from Columbia, Missouri to really pound the ball, um, you know, behind a, again, an aggressive, physical, tough kind of blue collar offensive line, similar to K state, and then try and get some underneath patterns, which I know K state fans are going to be worried about because it brings back that second half against Baylor last year, where they just absolutely destroyed the K state secondary with, you know, the underneath patterns and, you know, 10, 15 yard routes. That's what Stanford wants to be. But again, I think if you can make that, you know, what they're trying to do primarily because they have no choice. If you eliminate the ground game, I think it, it really works to K-State's favor because again, um, they're, they're kind of one dimensional for the most part. I think they want to be a running team. They've got uh, the two quarterbacks that we hear are going to kind of split snaps in this game. But again, it's convenient for K-State because it's not like one is a dual threat and the other is pro style, you know, both Jack West and McKee are, are both virtually the same kind of players. So again, you know, you take away the, the head of this beast, which is the ground game, and, and you try and make those pro style passers pick you apart without, um, you know, the keeping a defense honest with Austin Jones. I, I think that that works that behooves k-state's defense and that brings us to maybe the most intriguing storyline of this game for us is we suspect k-state is going to make some changes on defense and how schematically they go about their business now they will probably be back in their nickel look quite a bit but we think they're going to shuffle it a little bit and without revealing too much um what do you think we are going to find out from what how k-state wants to alter its defensive style well, I, I think for the most part, um, it's going to be two very different styles of defense when you compare K-State versus Stanford. Stanford's going to come out. They're going to line up in an odd man front, 3-4 with four pretty true linebackers uh, in, in the sense of what a linebacker is and what, what a linebacker does. And they're pretty just physical. From what I could tell on tape, they're not the type of group that wants to you know, bring a lot of pressure it's usually three or four men that they bring, and um, it's very assignment sound. They play their gaps well, um, but there's not a ton of speed. You know, it's it, again, it's kind of reminiscent of, of K State defenses, um, kind of in the early, you know, Bill Snyder return 2.0 days, where uh, again, it's it's assignment sound football, but there's maybe not a lot of athletes there. They get beat. Uh, you know, outside the tackles and around the corners, they just don't have the speed sometimes to get there. And then you look at what K state wants to do on defense against Stanford. And I think it'll be a little different. I, I think Joe Klanderman wants to dial up pressure. Mm -hmm. We've heard all off season about how this is a defensive line that they feel is dynamic and can pressure a pocket better than any that they've had over the last three, I guess, two seasons, this being the third under Chris Kleiman. And so I think between, you know, no matter how they line up, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a lot of guys kind of coming in and out of the box and blitzing and they feel like they're more athletic and longer and bigger in the secondary. So that's what I think is going to be interesting to watch is while again, kind of, 
you know, at their foundation and their bloodstream, both of these teams are very similar in the individuals and stuff that they have and what they preach. But, you know, once you get them under the lights and between the hash marks, I think kind of how the coaches decide to dial things up is very different. Indeed. And on the back end, they went out and found some help. Uh, they, they needed it. And bringing in the likes of Rush Yeast and Julius Brents seems to have really uh, bolstered that defense. And, and I pick up a added confidence from those two guys transferring in. Yeah. And I think that this will be, you know, not only is this a good, really telling point of, of how maybe this season goes on, just this particular game. But I think it'll also be, you know, a really good measuring stick and a barometer of sorts to see just how good a guy like Julius Brents can be really the entire secondary, because nothing about Stanford on paper from their receivers losing their number one guy in, in Fahoka last season, nothing about the group that they're going to trot out on the field on Saturday, you know, makes you feel like K-State can't go man to man and be fine at least judging off what we've heard about these guys. Now, granted, again, K-State doesn't want to get too far away from what they want to do, you know, throughout the course of the season. So I don't think they're going to come out and just not run any zone because they do do that so heavily at times. But if they had to go man to man, I feel like this is a chance where Julius Brents, Russ Yeast, you know, Echo Boydo, those guys can really shine um, and give them some confidence as they head into an early stretch of the season, you know, specifically here in just a matter of weeks against Nevada um, with some really talented receivers. But this will be a good, again, measuring stick, and hopefully um, they come out of it with some confidence. Offensively for K-State, what does Ryan Wallace see as the key component for them to take the next step forward? Because it just came unraveled offensively last year between the injuries and inexperience. Well, I mean, the easy answer is just more from the receivers. You know, I think we found even with Deuce Vaughn, you know, maybe even though they don't want Deuce Vaughn to be a real bell cow, I think it's clear that um, at least in the, what we saw last year, he can be a bell cow if, if needed. Um, and I don't think he will be knowing that Joe Irvin's been fine this summer and Jacardi Wright's had a good uh, off season, maybe even DJ Giddens. I, I think they're going to get back to being able to have that running back by committee. We know they've got an offensive line that I think will be more seasoned and that will do pay dividends down the stretch, but you've got to do some things out wide. And even if it's, you know, Malik Knowles and Philip Brooks and, and that crew unable to do it on their own, I think it maybe it's just as simple fits as Courtney Messingham getting a little bit more creative. You know, we've heard Skylar Thompson talk about uh, the importance this season of, you know, having guys that are familiar with this system and being able to motion guys and do some cool stuff during the pre-snap. And I feel like maybe that's what K-State needs to lean on if, you know, their receivers continue to kind of, you know, flounder a bit as we saw last year and maybe even in 2019. They've just got to find ways to schematically before the snap get guys in areas and positions against the defense that they feel like they can capitalize that. Maybe that's the easiest way of putting it. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 the overall arching theme is you got to have more th from the receivers. Have to. Absolutely. And the final topic I want to cover with you is the intriguing story of Timmy Horn. We, uh, We've gone back and looked at film from his time at Charlotte, and he's good. And he does get double teamed a lot because he was, you know, an interior lineman there uh, in Charlotte. He comes into Kansas State. We're hopeful that he can be a contributor. And the coaches have raved about him, and the his teammates named him a captain. I don't remember a transfer getting this level of hype ever, ever. And I'm really, really fascinated to see what he contributes in this first game against a Stanford team that wants to run the ball, and he'll be involved in that. Yeah, I mean, it's no disrespect to, to Timmy Horn because by all accounts, he seems like a, a great addition to the locker room. Um, but, you know, to hear Joe Klanderman and the staff come out and say, you know, they feel like he and, and this group has the chance to be the best they've had, you know, considering that, you know, Trey Deshaun was here and, and what we saw from Drew Wiley putting up, uh, you know, damn near an, a first team, all big 12 type season debatably last fall, 
Um, it's big shoes for Timmy Horn to fill, and it's good to hear how confident they are. But again, the honest truth is we just didn't see it when you watch film from Charlotte. You know, now maybe, you know, a new scheme, new fresh faces, fresh coaching staff, you know, maybe that's good for a guy like Timmy Horn and maybe, you know, it, it, he can capitalize on it. I'm really interested to see, to watch him in particular on Saturday morning. This is a Stanford offensive line that's not you know, they don't have, uh, you know, a ton of like all Pac-12 type players on it. But again, they're as recruits, they were highly rated. And I think as a unit, they're they're looked upon in the Pac-12 as, you know, being dependable, um, particularly a guy like Branson Bragg, uh, one of their guards. I think he should be a good measuring stick, again, a good, you know, gauge of temperature of just how dynamic Timmy Horn can be. I, I think he's going to be serviceable, but I'm not one to count out you know, the progression of a guy like Jalen Pickle, the progression of a guy, you know, historically year two is very good to junior college guys. Maybe Robert Hintz does well. And of course, Eli Huggins. I think all four of them um, will be really good for Kansas State. But this will be, again, a, a good debut to see what the hype um, with Timmy Horn is all about. Is it real? And, and maybe did they get ahead of themselves? Okay. Does Kansas State get out of Arlington, Texas with a victory? I think they do. Um, I think it'll, this might sound weird. I don't even know if I can put this in a way that makes sense, Fitz, but I feel like they'll do it comfortably, but maybe not decisively. I don't know if the scoreboard is ever going to read, you know, where K-State's up, you know, 21 points or something like that. But just watching the game, I do feel like, There'll just be a sense of control, but it's going to be hard fought. Um, Stanford, like I said, is super physical. They're smart. They're not going to beat themselves. You know, it's going to be one of those games that you come out a little sore, maybe a little bruised, um, but it'll be, a again, a good building block win, I think, if all things go right, that, you know, K-State will get out not having to sweat too much, but they're going to have to work hard for it. He's Ryan Wallace. You can catch all of his team and recruiting coverage over at GoPowerCat.com. Make sure you are subscribing. And we are off and running with our preview of Stanford and Kansas State taking place Saturday down in Arlington, Texas. And after the break, I will bring in GoPowerCat football analyst Brian Hanley as we continue on the PowerCat pregame podcast. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pregame Podcast. We are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automated professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Power Cat Pregame Podcast. And now let's bring in our GoPowerCat.com football analyst, former Kansas State offensive lineman, Brian Hanley. And, of course, he was a starting guard on those historic 1997 and 98 K-State teams that took the Wildcats to the cusp of playing for a national title. Brian, let's get this started this way. So I find it hard to figure out how to interpret last season. K-State ended on five straight losses. Stanford won four straight. But does that mean anything? We've never been through a pandemic season like that. And it's really hard to interpret, for me at least, what any of this means. Will teams gain momentum, have hangovers from what happened last year, or does the slate get wiped clean? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was just a, a totally different feel of fans, no fans, not being able to practice, not knowing really what guys were going to be available. I mean, it was just a gigantic cluster 
all over the country. I mean, so I feel like last year was just a growing year for K-State, to be honest, Tim. It's just a, a good growing year. I know a lot of people don't want to look at it that way, and we should have won more games because we played all the games on our schedule. But when you're dealing with something that, and I can say this freely, that nobody's ever had to deal with, <laughs> I, I think we did a good job of just trying to navigate through that to get guys better. Yeah, and they did. I mean, they went from having no offensive linemen with experience to returning eight guys who started right. at some point last year. They they found a great freshman running back who excelled and, and stood out even though he didn't have spring practice or summer drills. It's it's pretty amazing what they ended up doing, even though it ended so pitifully. And honestly, by the measurement used from other programs, Chris Kleiman shouldn't have played a couple of those last games. He should have said, oh, we don't have enough guys. But I admire the fact that he said, no, we got enough guys to play. We may not play well, but we're going to get better because of it. It was a little bit Snyder-esque. Yes. Yes. I liked it. And it's just what you said. I mean, and you could tell, you could tell, I mean, you got to have depth to play college football to really play any type of football, but especially college football. And we didn't have it for for a number of reasons. You could see it by basically the middle of the second quarter. Guys were just gassed, just especially on defense. And you're right. Didn't necessarily play well, but you know, guys fought, but there is nothing that you can do. And I know it's a cliche and people say it all the time, but you know what? I've heard it my entire life with my father being a, a high school football coach. You can't get better at playing football unless you play football. And we had to play football to get better. Practice is practice. Playing is playing. And we got better. Guys got better. And it sets us up to have a really good season this year, in my opinion. Something also strange has taken place, which being someone that can talk to the players and coaches, I'm at a little bit of an advantage here. But um, there's just this weird, quiet confidence about this team. It's like they they know they have something here, and I'm getting a, a, a really good energy from this team. And honestly, Brian, I haven't felt that since maybe the heyday of – K-State football since when you were a part of that. Maybe 2012 had it, but these guys just feel like they're better than what people think they are. They're picked for seventh, and I don't see any way they finish seventh. I mean, it's Tim, it's it's the typical nobody gives them credit. Oh, they weren't good last year, all this stuff, but nobody ever looks at the meat of what K-State is. I mean, you can't tell me Another program, I mean, it's just a constant disrespect. And I don't want to get into that game because I know a lot of people play into that. But it's you can't tell me another program in the country that returns eight starting or eight guys on the offensive line that have played. You're returning all of that. All guys that start have started a quarterback going on a sixth year that has played well at times. The running backs that we have, all these things. And I'm just talking about on offense. And think that we were go are going to be as bad as what people are predicting. I, I just it gets nauseating at times. And again, I don't want to play into that. But the guys should be confident. They know what they have. Those guys. I mean, these guys are better. I mean, you can't help but get better. They had a spring. They've had a summer. These guys are going to be better. They have no choice to get but to get better. If you're just practicing alone, you're going to get better. These guys are going to be better. They know what they have. I, and I see it. I've, I've said it, you know, on several different occasions. The K-State guys, we're going to be better. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm too. I And I think Stanford's a perfect way to measure where this team and program is at as we head into the season. Yes. Because this is a team that found some success last year during the pandemic. Uh, you know, they, they ended up winning their last four, as I mentioned. They have a great coach. I love David Shaw. I think he's the right. real deal. Um they are a physical running team typically, although they've kind of spread it out a little bit more. But this will be more of a Big Ten style game than a Big 12 style game because that's what role they play in the Pac-12. Stanford is the, a big physical team that likes to get after you and it's effective out there. So I'm intrigued to see how our defense bows up and handles what a program that honestly wants to be more physical than most teams in the Big 12 tend to be. 
That is exactly correct. And I'm looking for, you know me, I'm an old offensive lineman, yeah. so I love this game. It is just line. I mean, Stanford will line up, and it'll, it won't even be, it'll be first and 10. And they'll line up with three tight ends and just say, you know what, we're running left. We're going to run left. We know that we're running left. Can you stop us? And so you're right. It's going to be a big test for our defense. Uh, defensive line. I know linebackers, and but defensive line, how you hold up. And you're going to be a lot of double teams, you know, at the point of attack, uh, sending a lot of guys certain places. There's going to be a lot of that. So defensive line is going to have to hold up good rotations, guys playing the run, shedding blockers. So it's going to have to be – uh, a, 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 just a big, I, I hate to use this phrase, you know, but a big man-on-man macho game because that's what Stanford does, but I think that's what we do too. Yeah, I, that's why I love this test for this program. And offensively for K-State, again, you've got a, a defense that is just very sound and well-structured. You're just going to have right. to beat them at the point of attack. It's There's not going to be anything fancy about this game. You're not going to really out-scheme anyone. You've got to line up and be better. Yeah, I mean, it's literally, can you move a guy against his will? Are you going to be able to do that? You know, and like I said, I'm an old offensive lineman, so I, I love this game. It's just be physical, be more physical, keep pounding, keep pounding, keep doing what you do. And then when, you know, just when you think that they're going to do that, throw the ball over their head, which is what they're going to do to us. So it, it's, you know, it, it's a great matchup, but I think it's a matchup that favors us and a matchup that we can win. I just think the personnel that K-State has is better than their personnel. I, I would agree. Um, and I think K-State's pretty good at quarterback. Skylar Thompson is uh, has something to prove. I don't think he's a top-10 quarterback at Kansas State, but I think he is a very good quarterback for this team with a chance to elevate his status in terms of the memory of how K-State fans will remember him. Uh, this is a this is a big big one for Skyler. If he goes down in his super senior season and struggles in this first game, man, I, I worry about his confidence and the team's belief in him. Well, you know that's the thing. I mean, this is a huge game for him, huge game for the program in itself, which I think we can talk about later. But for for him in particular, he's got to play well. Everything that people have said about him over the years, the mistakes that he makes, the the great plays that he makes, it, it's it's time to just you know what you've been here. It's time to put it all together. You don't have to be the greatest quarterback that K State's ever have, and he's not gonna be. But he doesn't have to be. Just play and do what you're supposed to do up to your capabilities. You know, that doesn't always mean, though, Tim, that the guys can never make a mistake and you can't look over their shoulder. Because guys that play like that, you play tight, you don't play well. Yeah. That's just the way that it goes. So just play free. You know, he clearly he knows what he's doing. The guy's super smart. Get out there and do what you do and just play football. Yeah, and you mentioned this. This game is important because it, it needs to light a fire under this team. They come home next week with Southern Illinois, a game that is very winnable, but Southern beat North Dakota State in their spring uh, FCS season, which was very intriguing. Then they play a very good Nevada team before just plummeting into Big 12 action with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Right. So this, this is really a tone setter. This game's such yeah. a tone setter. Absolutely. Absolutely. They got to win it. You know, I know that you don't want to say that there's must win games, especially the first game of the year. I'm not a believer in that. This is college football. Every every game matters. You got to win this one. It's going to set the tone for the rest of the season. Go out there it's on national TV. Go beat a team that, that people know that everybody knows we can do that. And just set a solid foundation, because if you go out there and you don't play well and you lose, you know, or if you don't even play well, maybe you win, but you don't play well. It just doesn't set up for what we have coming down the road because our schedule is not easy. It is not easy, especially early. Kansas State schedule is not easy, but what Stanford has decided to do in 2021 is insane. Every game is a power five game. It, yeah. it is the most outrageously brutal schedule they move into Pac-12 play next week by going to USC, yeah. <laughs> and then they go to Vanderbilt. So yep. uh, that's three games in a row on the road. And, in fact, I think they finished last year with four games on the road. So they'll have seven games away from home. 
it's crazy. I don't even know how it works that way. But uh, this is a team that is looking at this as a very necessary win. Correct. They're circling K-State as a win because without that, and they, they've got the tougher end of the Pac-12 schedule this season. And they're, by the way, their third non-con game is with Notre Dame to end the season. Right. They, they need this thing. I mean, because getting to six, yeah. if you lose this, gets really difficult. Yeah, yeah, they they absolutely need this game. I was looking at their schedule the other day, and I'm like, wow, man, they just throw it all on the line, I guess. But you know what? Like you said earlier, I love the coach. And then, you know, when you have that that type of a coach, David Shaw is great. When you have that kind of a coach and you build that kind of a program with that type of confidence, then it's, hey, you know what? We're going to line up and we're going to play. And we're going to play whoever it is. That's what we're going to do. I mean, Stanford's not a, a school that needs money, so it's not like they're going traveling around needing money games and stuff like that. It's, hey, we're just going to play. We want to be as best as we can and and go from there. And you got to admire that, but it, it makes it tough. It definitely makes it tough. My goodness. It's amazing. Um, I, I don't know what they're thinking, but maybe that's what you need to do out there to get fans in the stands and keep fans engaged. Uh, yeah. We saw well, UCLA-Hawaii that nobody – bothered to go to the game. It was unbelievable. Granted, it was hot. Granted, there's a beach, but uh, if you're into college football, you're into college football. And exactly. that was, that was not very, uh, that's not a good picture to send out to everyone with an empty Rose Bowl. Um, but does this game also have a weird undertone because of the expansion and realignment and the measurement of K-State against a Pac-12 team that since the Pac-12 just announced they don't plan to expand into the Big 12 signature right now, I, I just think there's some weird undertones to this game. I do, too. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things. I mean, they sent that signal out, but everybody's going to send that signal out as of now. So it is what it is. I didn't really listen to it or pay. I didn't take too much homage to it. I just thought it was what it was at the same time. You're right. It does have a weird undertone because it's like, okay, well, do we want to include K-State in this? Can they compete with, you know, the upper echelon or the echelon of the PAC 12? Can they do that? Do we want to bring them into this? So, you know, as if, if that's what we're doing and, you know, I know we can have a conversation about that at another time. It's just, K-State needs to do something this year. I think it's very important that we do something this year because I don't know why they don't look at past and history of what football teams do. It seems like the last two or three years when all this expansion stuff goes on, they only look back that far. Well, we've got to do something this year if that's what they're going to do. If the trend continues, then we've got to do something this year. And this game is huge for part of that. What are you looking for? from the Kansas State offense to show that it is on better footing, more consistent than it was a year ago? Run the football. Just run the football. And I know that the Deuce has done a lot, and he did a lot, but we didn't run the football consistently last year. We were not consistently physical enough. Part of that, quarterback got hurt. People didn't respect us. Wide receivers didn't play well. So everybody was lined up at the line of scrimmage. So part of that, we're going to have to throw to take care of some of that. But with an offensive line coming back, with the guys that that we have coming back, we have to be more physical, and I think we will be more physical just to be able to run the football more effectively. When it's third and two and we want to run it to get it, we should be able to run it to get it. Defensively, K-State got hit by big plays as the season went on last year. It just uh, they kind of ran out of bodies on that side of the ball, and they put up, gave up some really big numbers. What are you looking for from this K-State defense in year two of Joe Klanderman as defensive coordinator, and you know his first year of really beginning to work with his guys? Right. I, I mean, we're going to have to have more pressure which means the back end is going to have to hold up a little bit more. We're going to need more pressure from the end, but we're going to need more pressure up front. Uh, and we're going to be able to have to stop the run. I mean, the big plays, I mean, we can talk about big plays over the top, but a lot of the big plays we gave up were a lot of big run plays, which, you know, you're going to give up a pass or two deep, whatever the case may be. And you're going to give up some run play, you know, guy slip or whatever, but, a lot of the big plays, guys are just we're, they're running off tackle and running for 40 yards. You can't have that. So guys are going to have to play more physical in the front seven. Defensive line, defensive tackles, linebackers, they're just going to have to figure out a way to be more physical at, you know, at the point of attack. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I think the coaches saw the same thing. Uh, we are going to track really closely in this game what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball because I think they've yeah. got some changes. They're going to alter how they defend a little bit, and we don't know quite the full context of that, but I think it will mean more guys closer to the line of scrimmage uh, and more three-linebacker sets, honestly, and maybe some three-man fronts. We'll just see how they shuffle the deck and how much they want to show against Stanford. Well, I mean, we're going to have to do – we can't just be vanilla. You know, we got to do things different. You got to slant a line, you know, from time to time, slant the line, take some, some outside blitzes, inside blitzes, safety blitzes, just do a lot of different things and confuse people. Can't just be vanilla and, and line up, which last year we had to because just sheer numbers and, and what happened this year, we don't have to do that. We're going to have to change up. If you want to have a good defense, you can't just be vanilla. No good defense just lines up and says, this is what we're doing. And that's it. They don't do that. They, they mix things around. They trick things. Don't use tendencies, things of that nature. I think we're going to have to do a lot of that stuff. Three man line, three linebacker sets, whatever it may be. Um, just, just move it around. Trick, and, you know, and like I said, I, I don't like using the word trick, but at the same time, that's what you essentially are doing, doing things that they don't expect. I like that approach. You got to keep them uncomfortable. There's no doubt about yes. it. And that's what Kansas State did. I think when they looked back at last season and realized where their successes and failures were, their biggest success naturally was winning at Oklahoma. But I think they took something away from how they did that when they yes. shuffled the deck in the fourth quarter and say, hey, Spencer Rattler, now that you're comfortable, by the way, we're going we're gonna to change our defense totally and how that's we're right. handling you. And it really confused a young quarterback. And I, I think they have the opportunity to do the same to a – Stanford quarterback who's, you know, whomever they start is going to be pretty green. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the approach. It, it last year just ran out of people. I mean, just ran, just flat out, just ran out of people. It is what it is, you know. And I think, but in the early stage, just like you said, in the early season against OU, it was we changed things up and just kept changing it up. You know, we didn't change the one certain thing. We just kept mixing it up and mixing it up and mixing it up. And if you do that and you can compete and have some success, which they did, it's just what you said. I mean, you're going to rattle a young quarterback. We rattled him. We're going to be able to, if we can do that against Stanford, we're going to be able to rattle them. And the defense can be very successful. I'm looking for a big bounce back year from the defense this year, Tom. Yeah, I am too. I think not only will they bounce back, but that is so crucial to the success of the season because you said yes. it, the offense has to be more balanced and able to run better when they really need to grind it out and run the ball because they did get so predictable. But the defense put them in positions where they had to try to win shootouts and they weren't equipped to do that. Correct. Brian, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Kansas state versus Stanford and Arlington. Will K state get this victory? Yes, I think so. Uh, and I think K state is going to put some points on the board too. You know, 34 20 is what I'm looking at. And I think K state is going to put some points on the board. I think we are more athletic than what Stanford is and what they believe that we are. And we're going to be more physical on both sides of the football than what they think. I know they're, they're macho. They're, they're going to come in and try to just push us around. I think we're more equipped to be able to do that personally. Looking at the personnel, I just, I believe K-State's got that, that advantage. Thank you, Brian Hanley. Much appreciated, and we will reconvene after the game. No post-game podcast this year. We'll have my post-game walk and talk, a short video summing up my thoughts as I leave the stadium, and then we'll come back every Monday morning with a post-game review where we'll take a longer, more reflective look at the game once we've had a chance to absorb it. Now let's turn our attention to our interview segment. This week we're going to talk to Skylar Thompson. It'll be players or coaches. We'll kind of mix it up from week to week, but this week, we're going to start off the season by speaking with the Kansas State quarterback. And our friend Matt Walters started off this conversation by asking Skylar Thompson if he has something to prove coming off that injury as he returns for his sixth season as a Kansas State football player. Yeah, you know, I've, uh, you know, earlier on in my career, I would say yes, that, uh, you know, that I do have something to prove and you know, to prove people wrong, prove the doubters, all that stuff, you know. But as I've gotten older, I've just realized, you know, that that stuff is uh, – that stuff can, can lead you down a, a dark road if you get caught up in, in trying to prove people wrong and, and prove this, prove that, you know. Like, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've, I've understood that, 
you know, no matter what, you know, no matter how I perform, whatever the case may be, uh, there's always going to be something that is going to be critiqued or not good, not good enough, you know. And uh, for me, you know, I'm I'm very, you know, grounded in, in who I am as a person and as a football player. And, um, you know, I, I know that, you know, me going out there and giving my very best every single day is, is always enough. You know, no matter the end results, uh, win or lose, you know, if I if I do everything I can uh, to put myself and in, in this team in, in a in a situation to to be successful and to win, then that's all I can do. And I feel like if I uh, you know don't take any shortcuts in my preparation and uh, leading up into to, to games and, and that I can I can sleep at night no matter no matter what takes place and. You know, like I said earlier on in my career, if you would ask me that, I feel like I would have given you a very different answer. But um, like I said, I'm very, very grounded and, and humbled in, in, in the situation that I am. I'm very grateful to be here and have this opportunity to play again. Uh, you know, uh, thanking COVID, you know, I never thought I would say that, but truly it did. It saved me a year that I could come back and, and play the game that I love the most. So um, I'm just, I'm excited to, to get out there again and have fun. And I followed that up with this question. Skyler has been around six years. How does this team compare to other teams that he's been on at Kansas State? Well, I think we have the ability to be a really good football team. And, um, you know, what that means or what that looks like, I have no idea. And But I'll tell you where we're at right now. I'm, I, I feel very confident in who we are as a team. I feel like this is the most, uh, you know, like I said earlier on in, in fall camp, this is the most unselfish team that I've been a part of. I feel like we have a lot of playmakers, a lot of good players, but everybody wants to see the guy next to him succeed just as bad as they want to um, personally. So I feel like when you have a team that has that, that mindset, um, it, it, good things are going to happen. And like I said, what that looks like, I, I have no idea. Um, but all we all we we can do is just focus on one day at a time and, and not skipping any any steps to the process. You know, that's the biggest part. I feel like where we've struggled in years past is we look ahead and um, get caught up in, you know, who we're playing in week three, four, five, whatever the case may be, but I feel like truly our mindset right now is focusing on one day at a time, one game at a time, and, you know, letting the results take care of themselves. You know, I think Coach Kleiman has really put emphasis on on having that mindset of we got to focus on on today. You know, our, our focus, you know, my focus is at our 240 position meeting, and then all my focus is in, you know, that walkthrough before practice. Then, you know, it's just one step at a time and not getting ahead of ourselves uh, to where we're not taking any shortcuts to the process to where whenever that game time comes, we're just pressing play and having fun. And when you have that mindset, you have that approach, no matter – no matter the results, no matter the outcome, you can you can sleep at night knowing that you you gave it all you got. And finally, let's wrap up the interview segment with another question for Skyler. How important is this game Saturday against Stanford down in Texas? I think it's huge. Um, you know, anytime you get a chance to to kick off the season versus a Power Five opponent, that's a proven program that has had a lot of success and is. Is still, a, a, I mean, they're a really good program, and I think they do things. I, I know they do things right. Um, they're really well coached, you know, and they play hard. You see it on film. I mean, they're they're very, um, very, very sound team that that plays hard together and plays with a lot of passion, you know. And um, for us to, you know, be able to play on a stage like this to to kick the season off and the way that last year went, you know, I think it's it's a big game for us, but. Uh, you know, it's it's something that, you know, us leaders and, and captains and whatnot are going to have to drive to this team that, you know, it, it, it's it's not too big of a moment, you know, for us. And it is something that we've prepared for for eight months. And we worked really hard for this moment and prepared for it. So you just got to trust in that and, and believe in, in our work and, and let everything else uh, take care of itself. That will do it for this segment of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Stick around, though. Ryan Gilbert and I will discuss the betting lines for this weekend's Big 12 slate and take a look at how Kansas State and Stanford measure up in terms of the odds. We'll be right back on the PowerCat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. 
GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. We're heading down the home stretch now as we've dug in deep with both Ryan Wallace and Brian Hanley. Now we're going to take a tour around the Big 12 and assess this K-State Stanford game according to the odds makers. We are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company right here in Manhattan. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Pyrocat pregame podcast. Now let us usher in Ryan Gilbert, our own Kelly Stewart, the great K-State alum she is, has moved on to Barstool Sports and unfortunately is no longer available to us. But we have Ryan Gilbert. Gills, thanks for joining me, man. And I'm glad you're doing this. You follow the odds and you even have been known to slip a little money in on a game. You made a trip to Iowa to get your bets in. That's crazy to me, man. But let's talk about the Big 12 and how it shapes up. We're going to kick it around here. Every week we'll talk about the K-State game. We'll do that last, but we'll address games around the Big 12 with the exception of non-FBS opponents. Except when K-State plays FCS. Correct. So we've got a few games that are FCS opponents. We're not going to touch those because there's no posted odds. What game would you like to start with if we're wrapping up with Kansas State? If you're going to ask me, let's start it off with Baylor. I got 13 and a half for the Bears. I like Baylor to cover here. Texas State is is pretty bad when you think about it. Two and ten last season. Um, I made a trip up to Iowa just recently. I did bet the under on five and a half for their win total on the season. So it's not like I'm super high on Baylor. It's just that I think Texas State is is pretty bad. So you know, I was in, I was impressed with Aranda at Media Days. I think he carries well, and yeah. I think they can win by two touchdowns here. But you don't like Baylor over the course of the season. Correct. I I honestly don't know anything about Texas State, but I do find it interesting that this game opened around minus 10 and is now what I'm looking at now is minus 14. But we we went with this at 13 and a half. So I, too, agree. I think the smart money is on Baylor here and it's moving that direction. So I will go with the Bears also. Houston, I like them. They're uh, underdogs by a point against Texas Tech. I'll take them to cover and win on the money line. You know, this is a Houston team that's going to have something to prove, obviously, with everything going on in the landscape of college football. Texas Tech really didn't impress me too much last year. They had three wins against Kansas, Houston Baptist, and Baylor. Those three teams combined had two FBS wins. One was Kansas. Tech beat West Virginia. We'll give them credit for that when they beat them by seven points. And that's a solid West Virginia D they put uh, 34 points up against. So, you know, I I think Texas Tech's going to be okay, but Houston's going to have a lot more to prove in this game just because Texas Tech really hasn't proved much to me last season. This is interesting to me because we have games where, for example, I think K-State has something to say because of the whole realignment expansion thing going on and Pac-12 passing. This is the opposite. This is Houston trying to show they belong in the Big 12, and I think there'll be a level of that. This is also the opposite of what we saw in that first game we just discussed. This game opened with Texas Tech a heavy favorite at six and a half, and now it's been driven down to almost a pick and I am going to change course here. I'm going to take Texas Tech. <laughs> I think they will win this okay. game. We'll see who wins. Okay. Next up. West Virginia, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Maryland. I like them here. Jarrett Deggy, I mean, we saw him. This is where he kind of started to come out and really show people who he is in Manhattan against Kansas State when he replaced Austin Kendall. And they beat K-State. They beat him They beat him last year. So we've seen this team's capable. They have, like I said, a strong, solid defense in Maryland. Their defense really isn't that good. Every game last season, they gave up at least 27 points. So I like West Virginia here. I don't care how good Tua Tagovailoa's little brother, his little brother is. His name Talia. Talia, I think I'm saying that one right. 
I don't care how good he is. I like West Virginia here. I like West Virginia straight up. I think I'm very optimistic on the Mountaineers this season. Tulane um, playing against Oklahoma. This one now going to be played in Norman. Was supposed to be down in Louisiana, but of course the hurricane moved it. So I like Tulane to cover 31 points here. This one opened, I believe, like 21 points. So that's yeah. like a 10 point swing. Well, it, it really moved when they had to move the game because mm-hmm. now it's an Oklahoma home game. And mm-hmm. And it's moved like 10 points. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been incredible to watch. I think Tulane's a pretty good football program. I mean, for their level, I think they're sure. efficient. They're well coached. And I will. I'll, I'll say Tulane will cover that. I think Oklahoma's got something to prove this year, a statement. But um, I, I, I will go with you on that. I think 31's a lot of points. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of points against a decent, respectable team. Well, when you think about it, you want to bet on what Vegas had it set at, or do you want to get you know bet with the public? And usually, Vegas is a little bit smarter than the public, so I like them for that reason. And it's not like this is going to be you know bedlam where it's going to be a rocking stadium. It's against Tulane. It shouldn't be too tough of a home uh, you know home atmosphere for them. I think Tulane's going to obviously lose this game, but thirty-one points is too much for me. Okay. Texas and Louisiana Lafayette. Mm-hmm. I like Louisiana here. This is probably my biggest, you know, my strongest pick. I think they have a good chance to beat Texas. I mean, this team beat Iowa State last year up in Ames. Why not do it again against Texas? I mean, they lost one game last year by three points to a really solid Coastal Carolina team. I mean, Texas fits. We don't really need to talk about how overrated they are. We all know that. And I, you know, eight points. I like Louisiana here. If it was like six points, maybe you're a little more opti- uh, cautiously optimistic, but. I might sprinkle some on the money line, but certainly taking Louisiana plus eight here. This line has moved significantly. Uh, according to the site we're using, it opened at 16 and a half. Now it's down to eight. That's a huge movement for a game. I mean, we just talked about Tulane, Oklahoma. That moved because it changed locations. Mm-hmm. I, I find this intriguing. And I, I think Louisiana is a pretty good football team. I'm going to take Texas on this, though. I, <laughs> I think I would have been shy at 16 and a half. Uh, but at eight, yeah, I'll go with Louisiana. I think a lot of people were probably uh, hopping in there on Louisiana at 16 and a half, and now it's driven down. I will take Texas. Final one. Last the the game of the least, week. baby. I like K-State here. Minus three against Stanford. And I could give you a million reasons why we like K-State. We've talked about it a lot here on the podcast. But the biggest one for me is the fact that this is an 11 a.m. kick down in Arlington. Mm-hmm. That's 9 a.m. out in California. I think that jet lag might get to Stanford a little bit. And obviously a road atmosphere. Obviously it's you know a neutral site game. But I think K-State's going to have 30,000 strong, they've said. So, you know, Skylar Thompson's coming back. He's got something to prove. This is a huge game for Kansas State. They're going to cover, and they're going to win. I'm with you. I I mean, I've been saying K-State will win this game for quite a while, and the the point over-under is around 53. I'm just curious. They go over that? I would lean under, but I I don't really take too much stock in over-unders. But I, I would lean under. We're talking both teams like to run the football. 28-24 outcome. Sure. That needs to be your score right there. There it is. You took it right out of my mouth. (laughs) That's it. That's our gambling segment, which we haven't named. Um, We will come up with a snappy little name. Uh, Gilbert's. Gilbert's Gambles. I feel like that applies to the entire segment. Thank you, boss. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Much appreciated. And let's bring this home. We've talked to Ryan Wallace, Ryan Gilbert, and Brian Hanley in between as we've broken down this game from top to bottom. But how do I think this game will come out? I'm really excited to get this season started. My initial thoughts are I like where this team seems to be mentally. Now, physically, they're much more healthy than they were to close out the 2020 season. That's a natural thing. But I like the fact that this team sees itself as undervalued, that they have a lot to prove in this season, not only within the context of how people view Kansas State, but how they view the remaining eight of the Big 12 now that Texas and Oklahoma have decided to leave the conference in the upcoming seasons. This is a perfect test for Kansas State, an ideal test, not too hard, not too soft, just right in the middle where we're going to find out an awful lot about Kansas State with Skylar Thompson at the helm for his sixth season as a college quarterback. Do I think K-State will win? Well, as I told Ryan Wallace, well, as I told Ryan Gilbert, yes, I do. And my score prediction, Kansas State 34, Stanford 24. 
That will do it for this edition of the Powercat pregame podcast. And remember to join us Monday morning now as Brian Hanley and I take on the postgame review of the contest. And if you need some immediate thoughts following the contest on Saturday down in Arlington between K-State and Stanford, make sure you head over to Go Powercat and check out my postgame Walk and Talk. It's a brief post-game video in which I break down everything I just learned from the game and the post-game press conference. It's Kansas State and Stanford, 11 a.m. Saturday in Arlington, Texas at AT AT&T Stadium. The GoPowerCat.com crew will be there. Make sure you are subscribing to all of our coverage at GPC. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.com.